Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. This is episode 273. I'm wearing the party shirt today. Life's good. It's already hot. It's like it's early in the morning. It's already hot today. Um, this episode is going to be very short, very straight to the point. Um, I've been working a lot on film analysis projects. I want to get them done. Like we have three weeks, a month left till the NFL season starts. I need to get those out. Uh, so today, a very short episode, three topics today. That's it. I have three things I want to say. And I hope, again, I hope everybody's doing well. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're here. And let's jump into the first story of the day. So the Big Ten and the Pac-12 conference have postponed their football seasons due to concerns and complications with COVID-19. Uh, so the Big Ten, that's Ohio State, Michigan, the Pac-12, USC, Oregon, all those, all those schools, they're out. Uh, the Big 12 so far is still playing their season. That's you know Oklahoma, Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. Um, the ACC and the SEC have been a lot more vocal with their intentions to play. That's Clemson, that's Miami, that's... Uh, you know, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Georgia. So I just want to say that everything I have to say in this topic today is a lot more of my initial reaction. I don't have anything. I, I don't think I have anything really profound or deep to say. And as time goes on and the consequences become more clear as to what's going to, what the cause of postponing a Pac-12 and Big Ten season is, as that becomes more clear what the consequences are, I'm sure I'm going to make follow-up topics and talk more about this down the road. But i got to say right off the bat, part of me is very sad. Um, the football fan in me is disappointed. I love football. I love watching college football because, for me, I love the NFL. And I love watching how – I love watching NFL players develop and NFL players in the making. I really wanted to watch Ohio State this year. I really wanted to watch – North Dakota State. I wanted to watch Trey Lance. I wanted to watch Justin Fields. I wanted to watch Arizona State. I wanted to watch USC. Um, so as a fan of football, obviously I'm very, very disappointed. Um, and even now as a friend, I'm very torn. As a friend of, i got a lot of friends that play Division One college football, especially in the Pac-12. I'm very well connected. And some of my friends in college want to play. They still to this day are like, how can we make a season work and the news that the Pac-12 has postponed their season really broke their hearts and they were very disappointed. Um, now other friends of mine were very nervous, very concerned and were like, look, these health protocols are not good enough for me. And so look, I, I want, you know, my friends that play division one football, I want them to be safe. I, I really care about them. Uh, I, I like talking to them. I hope they're okay. Um, and I, I like, you see a lot of people in the media saying, well, the players shouldn't play. It's like, well, shouldn't that be up to the players? Like, I don't, I don't want to be one of those people that's like, the players shouldn't play. If they want to, I feel bad for the kids that, the kids and the guys that wanted to play college football that are not able to. I, I have a heart for that, and I feel sad for them. Um, and I, I totally get it. I want my friends to be safe, though, and so I'm, I'm, I'm just very torn. Um, it's also hard to ignore, though, the fact that the two conferences that are not going to play football this fall are also the two conferences that had the most vocal and most organized player movements, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. 
Now, the majority of the people I know, again, in the Big Ten and the Pac-12, the majority of the people I know wanted to play. Even the ones that were part of the movement said, we want to play, we just want better health care. We want more medical protocols. And if we can, we're hoping to get better compensation. And I understand that. Um, college football during a pandemic is a lot harder to justify than professional football. In the NFL, you're paying your players. Your guys are making a very healthy paycheck to play. In college football, what are you getting paid? You're getting tuition for free. You're getting uh, a place to sleep, and you're getting food. And some college football players felt like they were getting not enough money, and what they what they were getting paid was not worth the risk. Like you know, if you're not paying me in a lot of cash, they're like, my education is not worth my health. I, I'll take you off of school. Like guys felt that way, and so basically, college football right now is a giant mess it's all over the place there's it's just fractured and confusing and messy and I will say I would be shocked I'd be very very surprised if the SEC did cancel their season if the SEC cancels their season um I that, that's like the final thing I'll go wow I'm really shocked because I don't think Alabama or Georgia or Florida or Tennessee those are schools and parts of our country that care about football that want to play football and I think the South not only cares about sports more, they care about football more. The South cares about football more than the rest of the country. But also, the SEC now has a chance to really dominate the ratings of college football. If there's no Ohio State, there's no Michigan, there's no Oregon, there's no late-night Pac-12 games. And but no offense to the ACC and the Big 12, but the SEC is going to be the main attraction in college football this year, like it or not. Um, now, what I'm really curious to see... And that's not to take away from Oklahoma is going to be fun to watch and Clemson is going to be fun to watch. And I think Miami, I think Louisville, there's a lot of schools and other conferences that are fun to watch. But I think that the majority of people across the country are going to be drawn to the SEC. Um, now, I think a nerdy sports fan like me and people like you, if you're a nerdy sports fan listening, might go, yeah, I know about De'Ara King of Miami. I know about why Louisville is interesting to watch. But the majority of people only know, hey, the SEC has the best players and my team isn't playing. I'll watch the SEC. Now, I'm really, 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 really curious to see what does the Ohio State quarterback, Justin Fields, do? What decision will he make? Because many people believe, many people believe that Justin Fields is a top 10 pick in the NFL already. And so I wonder, man, is, is Justin Fields going to leave Ohio State? to start training for the NFL. At what point, how many players, Justin Fields or not, he's kind of a litmus test because he's a guy that's already viewed as a top pick. If there's no season this fall, how many guys are going to leave college football early and say, you know what, I'm going to get drafted next year, next fall, or next spring, excuse me. I'm going to the NFL. I'm going to start training now. How many guys are going to skip the season? Like If there's a spring season, how many guys are going to say, I'm not playing Instead, I'm training for the NFL. It's going to be less than we think because a lot of guys still have a lot to prove in the NFL. The majority of college athletes still have to prove to the NFL why they should be there. But there are definitely a handful of guys that are talented enough that are already viewed as first-round picks that are like, you know what? I don't need to play. I'm going to prepare for the combine and prepare for the draft instead. Now, a spring season, number one, will create a very, very... Short off season. If we have college football in the spring in 2021 and then again in the fall in 2021, 
Ooh, man, that's uh, that's messy because athletes are going to really have a hard time physically. Their bodies are going to break down. Uh, that's And that's not my opinion. That's what I'm being told by my friends that play in the Pac-12. They're like, look, our concern is if we play in the spring, then we're afraid that our, we won't be recovered by the time August comes around and it's time for another training camp. To have two months off. Some guys get very badly hurt in the season. They're concerned about their bodies a little bit as well. Um, and then also, you know, are some guys going to be playing while the NFL draft happens? The NFL draft is in April. The NFL combine is in February. If you start a college football season in January and you're playing January, February, maybe March, maybe April, I, I, I doubt you're still playing at the end of April. But my point is that are we going to see guys in the middle of their college football season get drafted? Get, you know, are they going to, the, are they like, hey, coach, I'm leaving the team because I'm going to the combine? That's a weird messy situation I have no idea what that's going to happen um and you know will will the question is will the NFL adjust to college is the college football season not going to happen in the spring I don't know um and then another question is really what's actually going to change if you play in the spring I mean think about this think about this way you have what um September October November December January that's five months in the span of five months what's really going to happen with college, with uh, with the world, how much is really going to change? I'm not sure that a lot is going to change. And so, how does a transition from a college football player, a college season to the pros, how does that work? And then let's throw the XFL into the mix. Is anyone going to leave college football to join the XFL? Some guys might say, "Hey, screw this college thing. Uh, I'm going to go to a situation where I'm going to get paid." And a lot of guys, because despite not playing games, despite not having football recently, college football players have still been taking classes online. So a lot of guys are going to get their degree and still have a lot of eligibility left in college football. And so you might say, hey, I have my degree um, and I, I want to play more football. I'm going to go to the XFL, get paid. I already took care of my degree. I'm going to go get paid in the XFL and earn my way to the NFL. It's possible that happens. I don't know. And again, I go back to that five-month span of time. September, October, November, December, January. How much is really going to change with COVID by spring 2021? I don't know. Um, I, look, I have no idea what I'm talking about with this medical stuff. I, I, it's complicated. The one thing I've heard consistently is that when it's cold, it's, it's a little bit stronger, right? It's because you're indoors. It's more spread indoors. I'm spitballing here, but my, my question honestly is, what's really going to happen by the time spring comes around? Are we really going to have massive changes? Is COVID really going to be completely gone? I'm not confident of that. The masks, the, the restrictions, it feels like the new normal. And so I think college football, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, they'd better get organized and create medical protocols that players are okay with. And that's the only way they're going to have a season. If they want to have a spring season, they're still going to have to figure out how to handle COVID because I don't think COVID's going to go away in five months. I hope I'm dead wrong. I would love that. I'm just not confident of that. And that's a weird, uncertain place to be. And so it's really messy. It's all messy. It's all weird. Um, I want athletes to be safe. That matters to me. I have a lot of friends that play Division One college football, um, you know, I really wish that – I think they could still have a season and just let guys opt out who don't feel safe. If you just let, said, hey, if you want to opt out, you get to keep your scholarship. We're in a weird time, no problem. 
Uh, but I don't have all the answers, right? Now, the SEC, uh, that's Alabama, Florida, Texas, Georgia. That is the conference to keep your eyes on because I don't believe they're going to cancel their season. If they do, I'd be very, very surprised. Now, I love quarterbacks. From a quarterback standpoint, it's really sad because there are seven quarterbacks that I was excited to watch. I guess maybe eight uh, that would be playing this fall. You had Keaton Slovis at USC. He's not going to be playing. Uh, Jaden Daniels, Arizona State, a Pac-12 school. They won't play. Justin Fields at Ohio State. North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance. Uh, Talia Tungavaloa at Maryland. Dorian Thompson-Robinson at UCLA. Tanner Morgan at Minnesota. Uh, maybe JT Daniels at USC. There's a lot of quarterbacks that I was like, man, I was so excited to watch either of them become NFL quarterbacks or their progression as a quarterback, and they're not going to play this fall. And so from a fan perspective, I'm sad. Now, as a friend, I'm torn. Again, a lot of my friends feel unsafe, but a lot of my friends also want to play, and so it's a very mixed bag right now. It's messy. It's ugly. I don't have the answers. But from a quarterback perspective, here are a couple quarterbacks that so far are still going to play this fall, we have Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. We have Jamie Newman at Georgia, Sam Howell at UNC, De'Eric King at Miami, Sam Ellinger at Texas, uh, Louisville QB, Mikhail Cunningham. You have He's going to be fun to watch. I can't wait to watch uh, Mikhail Cunningham. He's a great runner. He can throw the ball really well. There's a lot of good quarterbacks still out there playing. Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma is really talented. He will be a blast. And so if we get college football... It's still going to be fun to watch on TV. I just think there's so much uncertainty here. I don't know what's going to happen. But again, the conference to keep your eyes on. I would be shocked if the SEC cancels their season. That's a gigantic canary in the coal mine where you go, oh, wow. The dudes who are the most committed to football, even they're not playing. That would be a massive, massive deal in the world of football. The Pac-12, it's mostly California. It's Seattle. It's a l- different lifestyle. I live, on the, I live on the West Coast. I live near Portland, Oregon. Things are a little bit different here than they are in Georgia. And people are a little bit more timid. There's a lot more fear. Um, whether that's justified or not, I don't know. But I do know that the way one part of the country is reacting to COVID to another is very different. And so I'm not shocked that the Pac-12 canceled their season. And I would be shocked. If the South, if the SEC, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, if they cancel their season, I'd be very, Mississippi, I'd be very, very, very surprised. All right, um, I want to drink some water first real quick. I need, a, need some water. So, last night, episode one of Hard Knocks, the 2020 LA Rams, LA Chargers season began. Episode one. And I'll be honest, man, this is the most interesting season of Hard Knocks I've ever watched. Uh, You know, really, the first time you watch Hard Knocks is really cool because you're seeing everything for the first time. Once you watch Hard Knocks one time, you're like, okay, I get it. I get the formula. I get how this works. Maybe there's a good coach like Rex Ryan with a great personality who makes it more interesting. But for the most part, once you watch one season of Hard Knocks, you've seen it all. It's really not that crazy. It's not that fascinating anymore. It loses the charm very quickly. Well, let me tell you what. Hard Knocks in 2020 is very, very fascinating because we're really learning the rules of a whole new world we've never seen before. COVID-19 has become, it's just kind of cliche, but it's become kind of a character in Hard Knocks where you have teams going through daily testing 
And they're talking about how, you know, Anthony Lynn, the Chargers head coach, literally said, we basically have two opponents this year. We have our schedule, the teams we're playing against, and we have COVID-19. And you have the LA Rams building this big, spread out, temporary facility at Cal Lutheran University. And, you know, the Rams facility is this crazy. The Rams are, like, practicing and training and having meetings in this crazy indoor-outdoor, like, temporary facility. It's all spread out. Uh, it's really kind of cool. They have like outdoor workout, like outdoor weight rooms, all in tents. And um, really what's interesting about the Rams facility to me is that they built a place to fit their needs during coronavirus. And I, you know, one of my high school teammates, Samson Ibacom, plays for the LA Rams. I've never had him on the show. I'm going to wait till he retires to have him on the show uh, if he'll ever come on. Samson, please. Uh, but I now know that one of the questions someday, if I ever ask Samson, hey, what was it like to be in the NFL during coronavirus. What was it like? Someday when Samson's done playing and they can come on the show, um, and that's my decision, not his. I, I just would rather players not come on until they're safe, and that way they can say whatever they want. They're more free to talk when they're not playing. Um, I want to hear what's it like to be in a you know, temporary facility during coronavirus. You're literally opening refrigerators with your feet because they don't want you touching with your hands. It's crazy to me. And, like, coaches are trying to figure out, when do we wear a mask? When don't we wear a mask? You know, it's very – it's all over the place. At a walkthrough, do you wear a mask? Yes, question mark. Do we have to? I don't know. Like, you, when you're wearing a helmet, obviously probably not. Like, it's, it's weird and it's messy. And so I just – it's very fascinating to watch uh, Hard Knocks because of the wrinkle with coronavirus. They've even got this really fun space twist on there. There's that classic Hard Knocks theme song. And this year, whether it's a progression naturally of the the Hard Knocks theme song, or maybe to me it feels like they got this space, like ooh, eerie, mysterious, medical like type remix of their normal theme song. It's quite fun. Um, now, both coaches referenced, you know, both Sean McVay and Anthony Lynn referenced the Marlins baseball team. They're talking about how, you know, look, we got to be smart when we're away from the facility. It's interesting. Every team in sports must be looking at the Miami Marlins saying, don't do what baseball did, right? Be smart when you're not here. And a big takeaway, a big takeaway for me, to be honest, the show opened with Anthony Lynn, the Chargers head coach, doing a Zoom meeting. And look, I am so, so lucky I work alone. I work from my house. I'm very, um, like, I haven't had to do any Zoom meetings. Thank you. Goodness and Zoom meetings. If you had, like, tell me if you if you've ever done a Zoom meeting, tell me what it's like. Because to me, watching on TV, it looks awful. It looks like audio's weird. Communication's really hard. I would hate to do Zoom meetings. It looks completely. It, you know, honestly, what it reminds me of. You hear podcasts recently. A lot of podcasts, even big ones, are doing shows with really bad audio, like over the phone, because people are at home. It's like you can't record on a microphone at your house and Dropbox yourself the the MP3 or the the wave file, like what, what the heck? Like, why does I just zoom to me? Zoom does not seem like a really, um, and maybe, maybe I'll lose a zoom sponsorship. I don't know, but they just don't seem like a great way to have real in-depth communication. It seems like it's okay. It's good enough, but I, I know I don't look at zoom and go, yeah, that's how I want to communicate with my team and my friends and my coworkers. No way. seems awful. Now, did anybody see the Rams head coach, Sean McVay's house. Anybody see that? He's got like this. I mean, I thought, man, good for Sean McVay. He's got a pool. He's got his fiance, the dog. This incredible view of L.A., like from the L.A. Hills looking down over L.A. 
my goodness, what a house. Good for Sean McVay. Um, I just saw that house. I had to share. I was like, man, that's a dude's living the dream. Got a view, got a pool. Pretty cool. Um, now, there was a cool moment with Jalen Ramsey where he claimed a boundary with the media during episode one because he didn't want to talk about his contract. And like he said, they asked him, what about your contract? And he said, my, my agent and the front office is dealing with that. And honestly, I, I think Jalen Ramsey truly is just focused on football. I don't think he, you know, for, for, for example, I have an agent. My dad, I hired my dad as my agent to deal with businesses, to deal with sponsorships, to really filter through emails. Because I don't, I get so many emails from companies and a lot of them are junk. A lot of them are like, I don't, I, we got a call from Israel yesterday. Some guy who does Roku TV saying, we have a company, want to put you on Roku. And I looked it up and I was like, this is nonsense. This is ridiculous. We're not going to do it. It looks like trash. And so my, my dad, I hired my dad as my agent to filter through all that stuff. Um, and I, I got to tell you, man, when a, when a good sponsorship comes, we have a meeting, we talk about it, we discuss, uh, and I say yes or no. But for the most part, my dad, who's my agent, literally takes care of all of it. I don't want to worry about the business side. I, I'm focused on making content as much and as quickly as possible. And so I'm sure Jalen Ramsey's in the same boat where he's 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 basically Jalen Ramsey says, I got to work out. I got to go to meetings. I got to watch film. I got to be healthy. I got to eat the right things. He's like, I am focused on being a football player. My agent, my, the front office, they're worried about the contract. It's not a big concern of mine. And I totally believe him. I think he's totally right. I don't think Jalen Ramsey cares about the business side as long as eventually he gets a new contract and he gets paid. In the meantime, he doesn't care. He's not worried about it. So I thought the media was a little bit over the top. Um, and I thought Jalen, Wright, Jalen Ramsey was totally justified by claiming a boundary with the media saying, hey, I'm not going to talk anymore about this. Now, it was also interesting to see that when the Chargers cut players, the Chargers especially, maybe the Rams did this too. They didn't show it very much with the Rams. Uh, but when the Chargers cut players, Anthony Lynn was on the phone with everybody they cut saying, hey, stay ready, stay in shape. Uh, and the, the kind of consensus for at least the L.A. Chargers is that teams are expecting a lot of player movement and transactions between they think, look, we're going to lose a lot of players to COVID, a lot of players to potentially injuries. And so we want everybody that's been in our facility to keep in contact, stay in shape. These are guys who know our playbook. And if we need guys to we need to call somebody on short notice, the right guard, the tight end we just cut that knows our playbooks, been with our team for an entire offseason. We're going to keep them around and keep them as close as we can so that they're a short phone call away if and when we need to call them back to join our team. Uh, there was even one player who got cut. He went to Anthony Lynn's office, got really mad. He's like, what is this? What the heck? Like, what? what? He, I don't remember exactly the words he used. I think he said something like, this is nonsense. Or this is ridiculous. Something like that. Um, and Anthony Lynn, the coach, was very kind. Anthony Lynn talked to him, set the player off. Um, and when the player left, Anthony Lynn went to Tom Telesco, the Chargers general manager's office, and just walked down the hallway and said, hey, let's keep this guy on the short list. I really like his fire. Anthony Lynn really liked the energy and the fact that the guy got cut and he cared. He was angry. And he wanted to play. Um, and actually, I thought that was a great moment where Anthony Lynn had some self-awareness. He said, OK, look, here's what I can do. If I walk to the general manager's office, the cameras are running. If I tell Tom Colesco, hey, let's keep the player on the short list, what he's doing is actually using the camera 
to encourage the player who no doubt, I'm sure that player is, he's a tight end. I'm sure that guy's watching at home. And if he's not watching, somebody who knows him is watching and says, hey, do you see what your coach said about you? He said, hey, uh, we like the guy's fire. We hope he keeps working. Keep him on the short list to keep him around. So the player sitting at home watches Hard Knocks and goes, yeah, I got to keep training. I got to stay in shape. I got to be ready. That's great use of the cameras by the LA Chargers to say, look, we who if we cut you, stay ready, stay working, stay in shape, because we might need you in a month from now, in two months from now. Stay ready, be focused. We might give you a call down the road. I just got to tell you, man, this is the most interested I have ever been watching Hard Knocks. Maybe even more interested than the first time I watched Hard Knocks. The first time I watched Hard Knocks was, uh, what's the coach's name? He's the coach, Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards with... The Kansas City Chiefs, oh my gosh. Uh, I love Herm Edwards. Uh, but this is because the first time I watched Hard Knocks, again, it's fat, it's new information you've never seen before. That's exactly what this version of Hard Knocks is. In 2020, we're seeing a completely new world for the first time. Uh, and look, I'll be totally honest. Hard Knocks last night gave me hope. Hard Knocks made me feel like, you know what? Seems like it's working. They're testing. There's a lot of protocols in place. Uh, maybe we actually are going to get a season. I was very skeptical. When I said Hard Knocks was going to L.A., I was like, why? All you're going to do is make it hard. You know, how, how, how is having HBO cameramen in the building going to make it easier to keep things contained? And actually, I think Hard Knocks is a great message to the world to say, look, we're the NFL Here's what we have in place. And if you're concerned about the NFL season, here's why you shouldn't be. Hard Knocks really is giving people hope, saying, look, it's going to work. To me, I watched last night and went, okay, you know what? It looks like they got their stuff figured out. So I think Hard Knocks, I was skeptical of it being a good idea to continue filming and doing it anyway. Uh, I, I think I was wrong about that. Hard Knocks looks like a brilliant, brilliant marketing campaign for the NFL. All right, one more thing to talk about today. Very, very short episode. Um, I got to stop doing that. I do this thing where I go, um, and then I talk. So <laughs> that's another one. Last night, the Portland Trailblazers beat the Dallas Mavericks. And man, it was a wild, fun game. The Blazers won 134 to 131. Came down to the wire, came down to the final possession. It was really basically a playoff game. Last night, Blazers-Mavs. Oh, my gosh. So much fun. Luka Doncic, Doncic versus uh, Damian Lillard. The whole bubble restart has basically been a long playoff series for the Portland Trailblazers. The Blazers have been fighting hard to get back into good standing in the NBA. Now, by winning last night, the Blazers are now the number eight seed in the Western conference. Bang. They have now gotten them an opportunity to get to the playoffs. They can clinch the eighth seed with a win on Thursday over the Nets. Um, Then they're going to have one play-in game. And after that, round one against the LA Lakers. Lakers, Blazers, round one of the playoffs. It's a big deal. And look, the Mavericks were trying to beat Portland last night. This is not a game where the Mavs were resting their starters. No, for Dallas, Kristaps Porzingis had 36 points, seven three-pointers. Luka Doncic had 25 points. Tim Hardaway had Tim Hardaway Jr., 24 points. Uh, but for Portland, man, Damian Lillard 
was on a tear. He had three-pointer after three-pointer. Just There was a moment where he had like three in a row on three possessions in a row. He ended up with 61 points in the night, nine three-pointers. That's 27 points out of 61. Um, I just I just cannot say enough good things about Damian Lillard. It was so much fun to watch. And there was one shot he had. It was so impressive. He looked like he got fouled where he goes up to shoot a three-pointer. I thought he got fouled. The no foul was called, but he like contorts his body and shoots a three-pointer anyway. And I'm like, I just don't know how he made that. I, I, I still to this day last night, that's the most impressive shot I saw from the Blazer game. Uh, Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony also had 26 points. Carmelo Anthony, um, he his move, what he did last night, kind of his go-to move is to back a player down towards the post and then turn around, hit a mid-range J. He had so many of those last night. He had, I think, Tim Hardaway Jr. guarding him, who has a, there's a big size differential there. Carmelo Anthony's got to back him down a little bit, turn around, hit a, hit a mid-range J. It's a, it's a great move. It works a lot. Um, and what's most impressive to me when I watch the Blazers, by the way, is Damian Lillard's conditioning. The dude is never out of breath. He's never tired. He played 41 minutes out of a 48-minute game last night and looks totally fine. Not even, not even phased. Damian Lillard, there's never a moment where he looks tired or is breathing hard. It's very clear to me that when the NBA shut down in March, Damian Lillard just kept training. He was at home and just doing it's business as usual where you know, you know, at a time of great uncertainty when a lot of players were like, I don't know if we're playing. Like, we all went through this time when coronavirus first hit. We were like, we didn't know the long-term plan. A lot of people were like, should we just rest and hang out? And I, I'm guilty of it. Like, a lot of people were like, well, I don't know what to do. There's no – we were all in limbo for a little while, all quarantined at home. And it's very clear to me, Damian Lillard was not in limbo. He was at home training preparing, working his butt off for the opportunity he would get in the bubble. And that's very cool to me. Uh, by the way, back to Melo real quick. Deadspin put out an article the other day criticizing Carmelo Anthony. Uh, Deadspin said that he feels more like a hollow famer than a hall of famer. They called him hollow. Said his, his career has been mostly disappointing and not very good. And really, it was a, a lot of cheap shots at Carmelo Anthony, in my opinion. Um, and I, for him to put up 26 points, eight rebounds, score a lot, show he can still do it. Um, it's cool. And I I hope that Carmelo Anthony, as the Blazers make a playoff run, I think they have the capacity to make a deep playoff run in the bubble. The un, one of the unforgotten stories, the stories that cannot be forgotten is Carmelo Anthony, his contribution to this Blazers team. This is not the same Blazer roster that we had when things left off in March. Yusuf Nurkic is back. They're better. They're a stronger team. And Carmelo Anthony is a big part of that. And that cannot be forgotten. Um, and I like the fact that instead of responding to the article, which I, whether he saw or not, it's cool that Carmelo Anthony does his talking on the court. Um, and I don't know how we would get this matchup. I don't think it's possible, actually, because the Blazers are the number eight seed. And the Mavericks are the number seven seed. And I have no idea how they would match up again. I'm sure I think the Mavericks are going to lose at some point to a better team. Uh, I think they're going to play the Clippers in round one. That's a hard win. They're probably going to lose in round one. But, man, if we can get a rematch between the Blazers and the Dallas Mavericks, a seven-game series between those two teams, oh, my gosh, it'd be so much fun. Now, Blazers-Lakers is also phenomenal. 
And I got no doubt that'll be great too. Um, I want to say, you know, this Blazers team came into the bubble on a mission. Damian Lillard came into the bubble on a mission. And really he realized, hey, in the bubble, we control our own destiny. All we need to do is win. If we win and win and win and win and win and keep winning and, and lose a game or two on the way, but if we just if we control our own destiny and win a bunch of games, score a lot of points, then we're going to do well in the bubble. And Damian Lillard took that to heart. And I am telling you, I would not want to play the Portland Trailblazers anytime soon. It feels to me like round one of the playoffs, the Lakers are walking into a trap. I, If I was a Laker fan and our, my team had to play Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers right now, I'm like, ugh. As a Laker fan, I'd be like, I'd a, I'm not a Laker fan. But if I was, I'd be like, I don't, I don't feel good about this at all. This is really, ooh, this might be a trap for the Lakers. Um, now, what's the story for Dallas? Dallas, they lost to Portland by three points last night. And unfortunately, it's again another close game where Dallas couldn't finish at the end. I don't like this narrative, but it is kind of becoming one where they lost to Houston in overtime by four points. They lost to the Suns by two points. They've now lost to the Blazers by two points. Now, if you want to, you could also argue with me, and I think it's a sound argument to argue with me and say, well, the Mavericks did win in overtime against the Bucks and the Sacramento Kings. I get it, fair enough, but I still think it remains that Dallas has very clearly had a problem this year with finishing games at the end. Can they close out a game? And I don't know what's going on. Is it youth? Is it the personality of Kristaps Porzingis and Luka, Luka Doncic? I don't know. Luka, Luka Doncic, I can't say his name for some reason. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going on with the Mavs. Is it Kristaps? Is it Luka? Is it just they're a young team that needs to play together more? I don't know. I know Luka's only 21 years old, so he's got a lot of time to grow and get better. Um, and I love watching. The Mavs are fun to watch. They're young. They're talented. But I want to see the Mavericks grow into a team that can finish and win games at the end. Can they beat a Damian Lillard? Can they beat a, a Houston Rockets? Can they close out against a guy like Devin Booker at the end of a game? So far, we haven't seen that a lot from the Mavericks, and I want to see that more because they're a young, talented team that's growing, and I want to see them continue to grow in that direction. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. That's all I have today. We talked about three topics. Look, we talked about college football, the cancellations. We talked about hard knocks. We talked about the Blazers and the Mavericks. That's all I have. I'm very grateful for you tuning in. Uh, film analysis stuff is on the way. I love you guys. Thank you so very much. Have a great day. But um, bam, we are.